If you just said this, right? I have to check out Ireland then. Another 100 year candidate. I'd, I, I, <laughs> what, you I'm said saying, what I'm saying is, I'd have to take out. Okay, I'll take out Conor Whelan then. Conor Whelan I, That's it. I quit. Subscribe to the GA podcast feed on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. It is time for the only correct power rankings. I absolutely adore them lads. I have unbelievable time for them, but they're, they're a great bunch, but it's not acceptable. All right, let's uh, run through these. We have the race for Sam Maguire. We have the race for the Talton Cup heating up. At the moment, we bring you from county number 32 to county number oh, one. No, in at number 32. Mike's, Mike's on there, Colin. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was lucky. Uh, God, I can't believe he asked me that stupid question at the end there. He, he usually goes effing and blinding into the box the one that he doesn't. How about those stupid questions, eh? He manages to keep the, the mic hot. Uh, number 32 is Waterford. They were beaten by Wicklow in the Talton Cup. Uh, London, unlucky enough in their match against Sligo at the weekend had a penalty saved in the second period of extra time they were two point losers in that game they're down to 31 uh, Leash had a had a poor season and their year is done they're down to 30 the thing is on, on the weekend against Westmead they lost by three points and they were three points up in the second half of this game they had an extra man and then they got a man sent off themselves if that hadn't happened could have been a situation where Leash could have turned the season on its head but really when you look back on it you'd have to say it was a, a very very disappointing season Wicklow uh, were beaten by Offaly well at the weekend. They're down to 29. And uh, Tipperary are one of the big fallers this week. They're down to 28th after that defeat to Carlo. Big upset. Possibly the, the upset of the weekend, really. Uh, Robbie Kiley and Bill Maher were missing for Tip, but um, they should be better than Carlo. They hammered him earlier in the year in the league. And David Power, speaking afterwards, couldn't really put his finger on what has exactly happened since the league final. It wouldn't have taken... Uh, a huge turn of events for them to possibly win that league final against Cavan and Croke Park not so long ago and uh, now they've been dumped out by Carlo in the Talton Cup uh, Antrim dumped out by Leitrim from the Talton Cup and Andy McGinley has stepped down a couple of good results in the league earlier this year doesn't feel that long ago but uh, it was a disappointing end to the season one of my favourite moments from this game at the weekend was uh, Pat Shivers of Antrim another great GA name he kicked a great score off his left boot and the boot went flying you know like what happened to you at school <laughs> and uh, the boot almost went over the bar as well Pat Shivers himself uh, got sent off eventually late in the game uh, they were beaten by five points by Leitrim again that's uh, a result that we did not call I think it's fair to say we got to put, put our hands up and say credit to Andy Moore and, and his team on that one uh, Longford stay put at 26 they lost to Fermanagh uh, Carlo one of the big risers and after that win against Tip didn't see that coming either to be honest they were hammered by Louth in Leinster by 15 points and then first they had the Talton Cup get a win against Tipperary to kickstart their season uh, Wexford were narrowly beaten this time by Offaly they beat them in the Leinster Championship and then Offaly got their revenge they're down to 24th and then Sligo up to 23rd now I did say earlier on that London possibly could have won that game against Sligo Sligo did have an extraordinary tally of wides in that game so they might feel that they, they should be better than two point winners against London but winning is all that matters and uh, that's uh, two wins in a championship for them this year so far for them but uh, none of the teams that they've beaten are actually uh, Irish teams New York and London the teams that have gone down to Sligo so they're still alive in that competition and then Leitrim up to 22nd and I would say to you if you don't think that the Talton Cup matters 
watched the footage of Leitrim's second goal against Antrim at the weekend and when they score it, a Leitrim man stands over an Antrim man going, yeah, and one of the Antrim fellas kicks out at the player celebrating and uh, it didn't quite lead to any sort of brawl or anything like that, but I was like, this is this is championship right there, goading and kicking out, that's what you want to see. Leitrim, 22nd, down 21st, down a spot. Um, like They've played Monaghan and Cavan this year in the championship and they've lost both games you wouldn't expect him to win either game and despite all the issues that clearly have been going on behind the scenes there even if things were right there you'd still might have favoured Monaghan and Cavan in those games Offaly then up to 20th playing a lot of young lads it seems John Mohan uh, making the point that they're taking this competition very seriously because it's a huge competition for the likes of the young players of Offaly he says that they're using it as a foundation like he mentioned some of the younger players that they've played Morgan Tynan Cahill Flynn Jack Bryant and Keith O'Neill and he says it's a great competition for them and an opportunity for them to play along the likes, alongside the likes of uh, Niall McNamee so blending experience and youth is what Mohan is doing an 8 point win against Wicklow Fermanagh up to 19th after their win in the Talton Cup against Longford they had Ulton Kelm back for them at the weekend he stayed at home from Australia this season to rehab a hip injury he ended up kicking 1-1 so he was the difference for Fermanagh at the weekend absolute quality and loud Uh, we're getting into the Sam Maguire teams here now are uh, down to 18th didn't play at the weekend Westmead are up to 17th very very nervous win against Leash, it must be said. Uh, Mead then staying put at 16th. Limerick down to 15th. The best moment for them really at the weekend was uh, Josh Ryan, Morris Fitzgerald style, knocking one over the bar against Kerry from the sideline, wearing Macassar gloves on one of the warmest days of the year. Oh. James Dunahoo would not be happy. I haven't listened to the Does football he, pod this week. But you, I think you get a free pass for your, if you're the Macassas. Okay, right. I think that's like a... That's fair. Their grandfather in, everything else, no. Absolutely class and uh, some score as well from Josh Ryan. Uh, but I've dropped him down a place. I've actually dropped him below Clare, which may be harsh. They did beat Clare in the championship, but it was in a penalty shootout. And as we always say, who would win if the game was in the morning? And maybe Clare would, would have kept it to below 20 against Kerry. I don't know. But uh, maybe that's overly harsh in Limerick. Cork then up to 13th, I guess. When we look back on the Munster Championship, they were the ones who put it up to carry the most, even though they had home comforts in that game. Uh, Cavan staying put at 12th. They were good at the weekend in their win against Down. Raymond Galligan was amazing. He made two penalty saves in quick succession and he also kicked seven points. They have to win the Talton Cup to justify being 12th. Yes. Yeah, there's there's no sense. other outcome that will allow your rankings to maintain credibility. <laughs> Yeah, oof, possible. I think the rankings are eternally credible, and nothing could ever damage the credibility. Like of them. the Pope, okay, exactly like the Pope. The power rankings, just as an institution, like the papacy. power rankings, almost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, except yeah. no cheap imitations, which you apparently are getting everywhere these days. But go on, <laughs> uh, Kildare are staying put at eleven. I just uh, couldn't drop them below any of those teams below them. Maybe it's too generous to them. Ross Common staying put at number 10. Armagh at number 9. Tyrone in at 8. Monaghan at 7. I'm going through to all the teams that have had a couple of weeks off getting ready for the qualifiers, obviously. Monaghan at number 7. And then we got a few movers here. Donegal down to 6th. Uh, down three spots, actually. They were in the top three before last weekend. Looking through some of the statistics of the weekends, their conversion rate was a big problem for Donegal. They actually had 32 shots compared 
with Derry's 26 and according to GEA Statsman they had a 46% conversion rate compared with Derry's 65% so that's the, the losing of the game for Donegal at the weekend we can talk about uh, the, the approach to the game and how Derry stopped them and they did a brilliant job of doing that but Donegal's conversion was very very poor and um, that's why they're down to, to 6 and that's why they lost the game at the weekend Mayo staying put at number 5 and Galway breaking into the top 4 after their win at the weekend uh, up 2 spots to number 4 This is the first time all season that Galway have been ahead of Mayo It is and I was a little bit concerned after the win against Mayo that the that Roscommon would beat them in the Connacht final and I thought that statistically when you dug into that Mayo game there was uh, it wouldn't have taken again a whole pile of different things to happen for Mayo to win that game so I, j- I just wanted another game and they won it and to be honest with you it was kind of the opposite of the Mayo game where I think Galway could have won by more uh, in, a, in a in an alternate universe It's your internal version of XG basically was was uh, whatever the, the GA version of that is Yeah that's exactly it uh, the, the only metric that counts um, well, what's interesting now you is that you call the, it your gaydar or something that, that's exactly it <laughs> the gaydar um, the last time we had uh, an All-Ireland final that didn't comprise of Kerry, Dublin, Mayo Donegal, Tyrone was 2010 like 11 years ago there's only five counties that have made up all of the All-Ireland since then we've got Galway at four Derry at three this year on the one side of the draw this year could very Somebody's well breaking be breaking through year. yeah I mean, Mayo could just draw one of them and go all the way to the final, of course, and Tyrone possibly could do the same thing, and that's that. We could be back to a very similar thing. Yeah, well, we should have we should have had Monaghan beaten Tyrone in one of those semi-finals if um, if the form lines coming from Ulster had held, that would have happened. Uh, I mean, Tyrone really only get in there because they won it last year, though. Yeah, do you know, you would have said they were an outlier up to that point. Yeah, you, yeah, for sure. Well, um, maybe. Well, they got to twenty eighteen as well, and uh, like to, so, so they've been in those finals. And I, and I think with regards to Tyrone as well, I think that their um, floor is obviously quite low, and it's probably they're, they're running around their floor at the moment. But their ceiling is also much higher than pretty much all those teams, not in the top two at the moment. I would think. And if we're here in a week's time in Tyrone or after beating Armagh, I think we're talking about Tyrone as potential All Ireland finalists if. They're on the side of the draw that doesn't contain Kerry and Dublin. So I, I am holding my jets a little bit on that just yet. But it does look very, very encouraging for Galway and Derry at the moment. And the top three, uh, Kerry three, Dublin two, or Derry two, Dublin one. Not really joking. It's uh, Derry three, Dublin two, Kerry one. So Derry, obviously, the, the first team up there. Uh, a decade in which they won just one Ulster Championship game. They go back to back to back. Monaghan, Tyrone. Donegal, an incredible run from them, and like you can talk about every different aspect of this team, management, the support that is following this team that we saw on the pitch the last day, and this looks like a team that are like a boulder rolling down a hill at the moment, and they're going to be very very hard stopped, and I think that they will be good in Croke Park, and their style of play will be very interesting come Croke Park. Uh, Dublin staying put at number two, and uh, Kerry staying put at number one so is the thing about Derry not that they've been able to win games in different types of ways and that they've actually shown already that they have an attacking prowess that we've seen them against Tyrone when they needed to rack up a score early to get out in front they were capable of doing it um, and that like you know the the evidence needs to be on the basis of this year and last year that this has been a, a, a slow steady build where they corrected any defensive issues that they might have had they got all of their best available players or the vast majority of their best available players completely aligned like uh, James O'Donoghue keeps talking about Chrissy McCaig's man-marking abilities putting him in like in the con- in the conversation for football of the year like a shoe in for an all-star if there was one today right mm-hmm. I mean 
that suddenly makes them very dangerous. Yeah, like and in, in Croke Park against a good team who was like, well, we haven't seen this in a while because everybody stopped doing this. Really, everybody stopped being as good at, at doing this as you are at the moment. Yeah, and I, I, I do think that, like, I mean, when, when we look at the last thing that people are using as a reference point for Derry, it's that Donegal team. I mean, they hit Croke Park, things went pretty well for them. So it did take them a year, right? Uh, you know, I, I mean, I they went okay that first year as well. Like they got to a semi final. Yeah, they they just moved the dial a little bit more in 2012 compared to 2011. They were just maybe overly defensive in, in 2011. That first half, obviously, the notorious first half against Dublin. Yeah, but if McFadden scores the goal, he's supposed to score at the start of the second half. They win the game. Yeah, and they knock the dubs out, and everybody's like, wow. Do you know? Yeah, it would have been very interesting to see what would have happened in that final. They possibly would have taken Kerry that year. Uh, Kerry, if might have been caught cold a little bit by by what was actually uh, coming from Donegal, and Donegal do beat them a year later with with um, a, a relatively similar team. So uh, m- maybe maybe they get over the line initially, and maybe that's what's going to happen to Derry here. Like as we've said, like they've got every chance of, of going all the way. It's just that quarter final draw, getting that first win in Croke Park. I think will be important and uh, if they can get a relatively forgiving draw first up in the next round then uh, I, I think they could very very much be in the, the conversation like you talk about all those different players that have, have stepped up for them over the last little while it's like if you're a forward who is tasked with, with running back or contributing to overall play you know that you've got a massive job in your hands whether it's McCaig whether it's Rogers, whether it's McKinless somebody's going to put you on the back foot could Donegal have done maybe a better job to stop Michael Murphy being put on the back foot so much as in playing closer to the goal more often maybe but then that uh, system played around him the, the, the dairy defensive system might have completely cancelled that out as well so um, like Rory Gallagher deserves a huge amount of credit for what's happened like some of the, the stuff that you read about him and his uh, attention to detail in uh, when it comes to opposition analysis is just in- incredible. Like there was um, a great piece. I can't remember who wrote it, but just the, the, the day before the, the day of the Monaghan game in one of the Sunday papers, there was just this anecdote that when he was with Donegal and when they beat Cork in an All Ireland semi final, he knew exactly what time the Cork management team would be bringing under substitutions and like clockwork. I think it was Mick Foley wrote the piece. Mick Foley wrote the piece, I think, yeah. Uh, I can't remember who came up with the the anecdote and it it was just, uh, the players were like, whoa, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about when it comes to opposition analysis. And I'm sure when you're working under Jim McGuinness, maybe you can focus in on that sort of stuff a little bit more. And by the sounds of things, he's surrounded himself with a backroom team that is as well equipped as what Jim McGuinness did in in 10, 11, 12, or 11, 12 in particular. So um, that entire team, I think, deserves a lot of credit for daring the backroom team. And when you listen to the players talk it's like wow they're, they're it's, it's almost like a mini cult they're, they're, they're so in, in thrall of, of what's actually going on so you still have Kerry number one Kerry are still number one for me yeah um, like the co- couple of issues you're getting kicked out of the Kerry Mafia like yeah. as we speak there is like your your WhatsApp is pinging there it's like it's melting down going what are you doing the thing is like if you were if you were building the power rankings from scratch would Kerry be number one or would Dublin be number one? It would definitely be one of the two of them, I think. But the thing is, we've been doing these since the National League and there's been absolutely no reason to take Kerry off the top spot. The only concern is that Kerry gains top spot because of the National League. Mm. That's a long, long time mm. ago at this point. And also because Dublin like, were clearly not really that focused on winning the National League this year. They have some other fish that are in the frying pan there are right other now. Competitions they're available. big. They're big fish. Yeah. <laughs> big, meaty, young fish. I was looking at this the other day. The, the only time this century that Kerry have won in All-Ireland without going through the back door or without a replay was 2007. So Kerry needs, have tended to need some sort of adversity at kick some point. A kick up the ass. And Jack O'Connor has obviously been one of those people who have 
is uh, utilise to kick up the ass better than this better is than also the first time that they've had uh, northern influence in the coaching ticket though right yeah so you'd like to think that maybe that's uh, and they they will surely be aware of that like the thing is what what you say about that is you know well I was just going to say the thing you'd say is that like you'd have that northern influence which m- maybe you know which maybe spells like ruthlessness and I think Jack O'Connor is a very ruthless man himself Kerry have been accused of not being ruthless enough at the weekend like Billy Lee was saying what I would say about Kerry is that they're always respectful of the opposition they could have kicked another couple of goals but they took the points I've always known that about Kerry they don't tattoo a team when they have them beat they're respectful and that's not unnoticed and now Brian Sheehan was asked about that on the Irish Examiner podcast yesterday and he says that he was never asked to tattoo uh, an oppo- not to tattoo an opponent that I don't buy into this especially earlier on when Kerry ended goal chances and didn't take them that they, they should have been taking them that they should have been taking the goals and, and the goal scoring is a bit of an issue for Kerry at the moment so that's his point that they don't they don't actually they didn't show that true killer instinct on Saturday even though they won by 23 points I mean it, 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 first thing is did they not they didn't tattoo you I think they did there's like that that's going to be a scarring impact for Limerick football um, but that's interesting you know because uh, would you would if you were to pick one word to describe the dubs in the first 25 minutes against Kildare would, would like absolute tattoo ruthless would that be you know they had they had the big thing out and they were like writing their names all over uh, this was, this was not one of those like wash on tattoos oh, let's, let's be kind to it wasn't Hannah no no uh, let's be kind to poor Caldera. You know, we we want some opposition in Leinster for the next few years, and maybe they'll stop talking about splitting us if uh, if we just win this game by a few points. Nah, squash, squash, yeah. like squash it, again, <laughs> squash. Oh, one more squash. If you go back to the what do we call it again, the GA there, <laughs> the Gadar, uh, the <laughs> Dublin's. Uh, Beep finishing as well as that rootlessness is just absolutely incredible it's like a collection of young men's sons on, on the pitch where it's like XG doesn't make any sense like the Cormac Costello goal the uh, John Small goal like I mean we all know that John Small can play uh, that finish was, was exceptional they had 31 shots on Saturday Kildare at 27 so only four more shots than Kildare there you go it's close to take the goals out of it if you take the goals out of it Peter Keane style then this game there was only a kick of a ball in it so uh, their yeah their efficiency is is has been a trademark of the great Dublin teams and that efficiency is something that has very much been present so far in this championship. Again, the only thing is what will happen with what will happen when they come up just up against a better team and they're in a in a fight for 80 minutes because that bench is just the, the one thing you might have slight concerns about. Now here's the thing, like the, the bench the last day was Niall Scully, Keen Murphy, Aaron Byrne, Johnny Cooper, Brian O'Leary. We know that two of that five are absolutely proven. The thing is with Keen Murphy and Brian O'Leary and, and Aaron Byrne is that they're, they're, they're unproven but that doesn't mean that they're not good players that doesn't mean that they can't be coming to a peak this year and it doesn't mean that they can't be shooting the lights out in A versus B games and training so there is still very much a, a jury is still out nature to that bench but that's the worst thing you can say about it you can't really say categorically that's a bad bench or those are bad players coming out for Dublin because they're clearly not Desi Farrell is clearly trusting them with, with minutes it's, yeah. it, let, let's just see what happens now when, when they come up against a, a better team because that's when we'll really find out how strong that bench is yeah, very quickly Mark says in McGuinness's book he says himself he thinks Kerry would have hammered them in 11 as he felt Donegal weren't ready to face the Kerry jersey on an occasion like an All-Ireland final yet I'm not sure that's true. I think that that's the type of stuff that you put in your book and you're like, just in case we ever meet them again down the road. Uh, Shifty Lad says, Good morning, lads. Best of luck with Try a Tiger. Wishing I could do it myself. Owen, shame, shame. That's the, the opposite of the hail, hail Celtic um, thing. Uh, Danny says, The smell of them McCassels after a game. Ugh. That's just the smell of yourself, Danny. Bit of self-loathing going on from the 
clammy, plasticky, whatever the material actually is. Poly, is it kind of a mix of polyester and elastic? And I have no idea. I don't know what, what what were those things made of. I don't know. I mean, certainly you wouldn't want uh, you wouldn't want them to get close to fire and be on your hands at the same time. Uh, Kenny the Dad says, "I won minor championships in Dublin, featuring featured in county underage sides, then played at the top level in London for years. I now only watch hurling in the one London Championship game a year. The game to me is not just as enjoyable as it once was. I can't put my finger on it, apart from Duddy Gall's All Ireland win. I mean, like honestly, watching Dublin Mayo playing football over the last number of years." has not been the high watermark of Irish sport. Like, but it's, I wonder, is that why people are, you know, uh, criticising what we're seeing in Ulster is because the high watermark has been reached and but when you see what two teams... what drove them on? What turned Dublin into that all-conquering super team? Mm. Donegal. Yeah. Donegal are like the, this hinge point in Irish Gaelic football history. And that only happened because of the... Ah, look... Leave it, Jake. It's Chinatown. Well, yeah, but what did that Donegal team do? That Donegal team did evolve into something a bit more dynamic a bit in, more, in, but in like, those later years under McGuinness. It, it didn't. Here's the thing. In the game against Kildare, in the first game that they, they won, which is an 11 in the quarterfinal, their cornerbacks are up in the right corner forward position, overlapping at various stages. Mm. They just hadn't perfected it yet yeah, because yeah. it was it was like, it was we're doing something better and new and evolutionary. And that's how, this is how things change. Because they had good games that they could measure themselves in the in the championship against. Nobody else has that. Like, you can't see an evolution of Kerry football style beyond a few games in the league and then an All-Ireland quarterfinal because there's nothing for them. Everything comes back to structures. You fix the structures and then come back to me with the, the game boring. Mm. Anyway, 11 minutes past eight. A reminder, the football pod, live. Paddy Andrews, James Dunhu, and special guests. Go to the Royal Theatre in Castle Bar on Thursday, June the 2nd. That's next Thursday in celebration of Mayo football. I mean, obviously I mean Thursday week, but you know what I mean. It's next week and Thursday. Uh, uh, it's also a look at the championship race and so much more. So they'll preview in detail the uh, Mayo-Monaghan game, but they'll also tell you about whether or not Owen's power rankings are correct and anything you want them to talk about. That's the thing. They're live and in glorious Technicolor. The Football Pod live in Castle Bar, Thursday, June 2nd. Tickets are on sale now. Go to otbsports.com forward slash events to get yours today. Stay tuned to OTB for more details on more shows to come. OTB AM With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. 